Christmas time for most is the happiest time of year. It's where family and friends come together for the holidays. You have cheerful Christmas music and gorgeous light displays, but unfortunately, Christmas for the Brazel family wouldn't be as cheerful. In 2016, six days before Christmas, James and his wife, Nicole, were having their typical evening. Their front yard had been decorated for the holidays and everyone in the house was just winding down from a long day. James James and Nicole had headed off to bed around the same time that their 16-year-old son, Sony Kim, had returned from work. Sony Kim's sister, 23-year-old Ashley Kim, had come home from college for the holidays and was sleeping on the couch. James's wife, Nicole, heads off to bed, and right after she takes off her robe and lays down in bed, she starts to hear what sounds like firecrackers. Now, it was close to New Year's Eve, so she really didn't think much of it until it hit her that before she heard the cracking, noises, she had heard her daughter Ashley yell Sony before the firecrackers had started. Nicole puts back on her robe and James goes out there to investigate the area. And James actually had a gun in the bedroom, so he went to go reach for the gun before going out into the living room to investigate what was going on. But before he grabbed his gun, something in his gut told him, don't pick up your gun, you won't need it. And so at the last second, he randomly decides to toss the gun on the bed. And when he opened up the door, he was confronted with his 16-year-old son, Sony Kim, standing right in front of the doorway with a gun in his hand. James told Sony to put the gun down, and Sony, being the very responsible and obedient child that he was, he, without hesitation, put the gun down. When the gun was on the floor, James grabbed Sony by the shirt, slung him onto the couch and off to the side, before Nicole ran out to check up on Ashley to see what had happened. And so Nicole is sitting there trying to wake up Ashley and while James and Nicole are attending to Ashley, Sony runs for the gun, picks it up off the ground before running off into his parents' bedroom to reload the clip in the gun. But thankfully, this was a gun that Sony had never shot before, so he was very unfamiliar on how to reload it. And so when James ran into the room, him and Sony got into this struggle and Sony thought that he had reloaded a new clip into the gun, but thankfully, he had loaded the empty clip from before back into the gun. And so when he pointed the gun at his father, James, and began pulling the trigger, none of the bullets came out. This time, James takes Sony, throws him on the couch once again while on the phone with the police. And at this point, Nicole is trying to tend to Ashley's wounds. Nicole looks to Sony and asks him, quote, what have you done? Why have you done this? And Sony replies in a very deep and unrecognizable voice saying, quote, she can't talk to you. She's dead. When the police get there, they immediately arrest Sony and take Ashley to the hospital. When investigating the area, they found two bullets, one on the couch and one beneath a storage drawer. They found the gun that was used in the bedroom, but unfortunately, while Sony was taken to the station, Ashley was confirmed dead on scene. Now, a little bit of backstory on the Brazel family. Sony Kim Christopher was born in 2000 with his sister Ashley Kim and the 
both of them had a seven-year age gap. Sony and Ashley's biological mother is Nicole, but Sony and Ashley's father went back to Korea and left Nicole with the two kids. And that's when James would step up to be a father to Sony and Ashley. And from the looks of it, they seemed like a very happy, healthy family. And even Sony in his interrogation, when he was asked like what the relationship between him and his family was, he even said, quote, I had a really wonderful set of parents. I don't think I could have asked for anything more. I owe everything to them. Nicole had owned her own embroidery business and that's what she did for a living. And Ashley, the year prior to all of this, she actually moved out to Colorado for college and out there she got a job as a secretary. Ashley was described as the most joyful and bubbly girl. She was the type of pretty girl that was just nice and so sweet to every single person she met. She was very headstrong and responsible and she was also best friends with her little brother, Sony. Her and Sony were basically like two peas in a pod. They did everything together and they were absolutely best friends. Sony would even go on to say that he absolutely loved his sister. He believed that his sister was always his shoulder to cry on. He said that she had a really big heart for people and always went to her with advice because of how wise she was. At the time, she had come home back to Georgia from Colorado to spend Christmas time with her family. At the time, she had also just broken up with her boyfriend and so she really just needed her family as comfort. And Sony would go on to say that he absolutely loved his sister and felt that his sister was an extreme gift for him. Now, as for Sony himself, Sony was described to be a genius teenager. He had an IQ of 160. And for those who don't know, an average IQ is around 100. So 160 is considered, so 160 is considered exponentially gifted. And not only that, but he actually was 16 years old and currently in college and graduated from high school already. He actually went to public school until grade six when he at 11 years old made the conscious choice to be homeschooled. And so after 11 years old until his senior year, he was homeschooled, but he was so, so intelligent. And he was very, very smart, specifically in tech and computers. And at just 13 years old, he started working with a computer company. He ended up graduating high school at just 15 years old and went on to college and major in computer science and attend Georgia Military College. And at the time, he also had a really good job in tech at a computer company called Computer Exchange. Hey everyone, it's still me, just thanking the sponsor of today's episode, Factor. If any of you guys are like me, I'm the type of person where if it's like two o'clock or three o'clock and I haven't ate lunch yet, sometimes it's just so much easier to eat out, but sometimes that can get extremely expensive and most of the time the food just isn't overall good for you. And so if your resolution was to eat cleaner and from home this year, make sure to get started with Factor. Factor's ready-to-eat meal delivery takes the stress out of meal planning and sets you up for success in this new year. Skip the grocery stores, prep work, and cooking fatigue and instead get chef-crafted, dietitian approved meals delivered straight to your door. They have over 35 meals to choose from every week, including options like keto, calorie smart, vegan, and veggie. They also have 55 weekly add-ons and you'll have tons of nutritious and flavorful options to kickstart your resolutions. You can forget all of the frantic lunch preps and rushed 
dinners, Factor's two-minute meals are your secret weapon in this new year. Fuel up fast with restaurant-quality meals all delivered straight to your door. Factor also offers loads of snack options like breakfast, smoothies, juices, and snacks. And as I said earlier, takeout is so expensive, and Factor is a lot cheaper and way more delicious than takeout. And even if you need a special occasion meal, Gourmet Plus is a perfect solution if you're looking for fast, upscale options done easily, which I think is so cute. It's just like a little something to treat yourself with. And when things get hectic, Factor is flexible, so you can change your order up to every week with plans from 4 to 18 meals per week or pause or reschedule your deliveries at any time. Factor has everything I need for a week, flavorful, nutritious meals. And in addition to their ready-to-eat meals, they also have cold-pressed juices, energy bites, extra proteins, veggie sides, and so much more to keep me energized throughout the day. Head to factormeals.com 50 behind and use code behind 50 to get 50% off. That's code behind 50 at factormeals.com behind 50 to get 50% off. Thank you to Factor for sponsoring today's video. Now back to your video. So from everything I just told you, it seems like Sony has it pretty good right now. He has loving parents that he loves very much. He has a sister that he has a really close connection with. He's extremely smart and basically set up for the rest of his life. He has a job, he's in college, and he's just 16 years old. And so with how well his life is going, it makes you wonder, why would he do something like this and kill his sister? At the top of the interview, right off the bat, the interrogator starts to ask a couple of questions to Sony about his family and about his sister. And every time he refers to his sister, he always refers to her in past tense, assuming that she's already dead. The way that Sony talks, he talks sort of like an NPC. He always talks about things and himself in a third person view. So when the interrogator asks him like, oh, well, tell me a little bit about yourself. He replies with, quote, well, I'm 16 years old, male. And so the interrogator even attempts at, you know, getting him to a personal level because there's some times where murderers will respond a lot better or talk about the crime a lot better if you relate to them on a personal level. But none of those tactics were working on Sonny. He was very straightforward, very factual and punctual, and he didn't lie or slip up or anything. Every time the interrogator asked him a question, he was so just nonchalant and calm about it. Like when the interrogator had asked him to basically recap the day and what happened, he responded with, quote, a bit of pretext, I suppose. We had planned to get my father a 1922.45 caliber pistol about a week ago, and we were hiding it in my room until we could package it and put it under the tree. And with the gun in his room, he then begins to say that that night, he doesn't know why he did it. He doesn't know what was in him. He just had this impulse to take the gun. He said that in that moment, he had the idea to kill his family and then he blinked and all of a sudden he was killing his family. He said that he locked his eyes on the gun. He picked it up. He loaded seven rounds into it and then he took a seven round magazine and put it into his pocket. He walked out of his room and the first person he saw was his sister on the couch and that's when he pointed the gun towards his sister's chest and that's when his sister shouted Sony before Sony had lo 
exploded eight rounds into Ashley's chest. And Sony, when talking about this moment, he says, quote, I put eight rounds into her chest around here-ish torso. Basically, his tone is very casual, as if he was just having a normal conversation. It's also very important to note that during this interrogation, he doesn't really lose eye contact with the interrogator. When talking to other people, he was sort of taught that eye contact is good, and so he makes it a point to not break eye contact with people when talking to them. And throughout the interview, he remains extremely calm. He doesn't fidget, he doesn't shake, he doesn't do anything or even have any emotion. He talks very forward and very robot-like. So since he's not showing any signs of stress or guilt, it also kind of makes you think that maybe since he's also talking in third person, he's possibly detached from the whole crime. He's not viewing the crime as if he did the crime, he's viewing the crime as if his body did the crime. He says that after he fired the rounds into Ashley, he went to his parents' bedroom, but before he could walk in there, that's when his dad flew open the door, slung him off to the side, but while his parents were attending Ashley, he quickly got up and took the gun and ran to the parents' bedroom in hopes of getting a little bit more of a running start so he could quickly load up the magazine. And when explaining what specifically happened, he responded with, quote, so I didn't load the magazine correctly and wasn't able to chamber around, attempted to shoot my father once, and then I feigned. I went and got down and tried to shoot again, and then he pauses and kind of chuckles, and he says, not very good with firearms, so I wasn't able to kill him. And he explains that after this scramble with his father, his father was able to get the gun out of Sony's hands, and Sony was again thrown on the couch, and that's where he just sat and waited for police to arrive. And once again, the entire time, Sony is talking very flat and without remorse. And when the interviewer asked Sony if there is a specific reason why he killed his sister first and then his parents, and Sony replies with, quote, my idea was to kill father, mother, and sister in order of threat. And this was another thing that I totally forgot to mention. Whenever he's talking about his parents, he never says like my father or my mother, my sister. He always again refers to them in third person. So he'll say, oh, that's when father or that's when mother. He never says my father or my mother, which is again another sign of maybe him just being detached from the situation. He goes on to explain that his original plan was to walk into his parents' bedroom, kill his father first, then his mother Nicole and then walk out into the living room and kill Ashley. And as you know, this did not happen. He ended up killing Ashley first and then attempted at killing his parents. So the interrogator asked him, why did you go away from your original plan? And he replies with, quote, humans act in weird ways. Me, being human, I am structurally the same thing. That's why I wore gloves, because I figured my hand would get sweaty, you know, nervousness in humans and such. Sweating is a natural reaction, so I wore them to maintain grip. And as you can see, once again, he is not viewing himself as the person who did this. He's viewing this as just his body, his human body that did this. So then that's when Sony had literally spilled everything out. He had explained everything in detail 
detail, but there was still something missing and that was the motive. The interrogator has no clue still why he did what he did. And from the looks of it, as I said, it seemed like Sony had a really good life going for him. So why would he do something like this? And Sony even replies saying, quote, Life has been pretty good, actually. I've got a job, I had classes, and it's been going pretty well. Yeah, I mean, nothing really bad's been happening to me. And so the interrogator is like, okay, well, if there's no specific reason why you would do this, did you just do it because you wanted to? And Sony replies with, quote, not even wanted it. I just did. So back at the hospital, they're doing an autopsy on Ashley's body, and that is when they find that Ashley was actually shot 16 times. She had four shots on her torso, three in her left chest, five in her upper extremities, and four in her legs. Her cause of death was bilateral hemothrosis, which in simpler terms, when you are shot in your chest area or your lung area, your lungs begin to fill up with blood blood and you then choke on your own blood because your airway is being obstructed. And so within the interrogation, as I said, there's been no stress triggers that Sony has been showing, like he's not fidgeting or anything like that, but he does do this really odd thing where at times when the interrogator leaves the room, Sony will begin talking to himself, but he doesn't talk about the crime or anything. He just talks about computers. Maybe this is a stress relief or maybe Maybe this is signs of an actual illness. When the interrogator asks Sony, well, if there was no reason, if you just did it, did you do it for satisfaction? And Sony just says that he didn't feel satisfaction. He simply just felt nothing. He didn't feel sad or scared. And in the moment, he knew what he was doing because he was fully aware that he knew he was going to go to jail for the rest of his life. And he knew the police were going to come by right afterwards. He was very well aware of all of the consequences he would receive due to this, but he just in the moment didn't feel fear or anything. He simply just did it. And to me personally, that's a lot more terrifying than if he were to have an actual reason. He goes on to say that it wasn't premeditated and he simply just acted on impulse. And throughout the interrogation so far, Sony does not show any sort of emotions. He doesn't slip up on his words or anything. He's talking very punctually. But the interrogator then asks Sony, why did you specifically shoot Ashley in the chest? And at this point is where Sony starts to feel a little bit more emotion. He starts to stumble upon his words. He forgets what he's saying because he's struggling to remember what was going through his mind before killing his sister. He then goes on to say that while he was waiting for the police, he was fully aware that, quote, murdering is socially and morally wrong. And he knew that he would, quote, be certainly apprehended by authorities. But in the end, he still decided to do it. And even Sony himself struggles to find a motive. He says that he doesn't know if maybe it was out of curiosity, maybe it was out of boredom, or he even says maybe he is suppressing some sort of feeling or some sort of trauma that he hasn't fully grasped yet. And so it seems like even Sony himself is trying to 
search his mind for why he did this. Sony was later arrested and taken into custody where he went to jail and awaited trial. And while in juvie, because a quick reminder, Sony is still only 16 years old, so he's a minor. While in juvie, Sony would frequently meet with a psychiatrist where the psychiatrist believed that Sony's actions were a result of, quote, psychotic or depersonalized episodes. Sony would later explain to his psychologist that he feels the night of the murder was like him watching someone else, like he was watching a third person view of himself. He says that he felt like he was looking sort of into a parallel universe. Now, this is actually a very common thing associated with depersonalization. James actually said in an interview later on that Sony didn't fully understand what he did until around eight months after it had happened. James also said in this interview, quote, most people will not like my answer, but the Sony the night when this happened was my son's body, but it wasn't his spirit. Sonny was not there. Sonny would also go on to say that as a result of this psychotic episode, everything he ate for a year and a half after he was arrested tasted like burning plastic or burning metal. The only thing that he could eat was dry cereal. And so for an entire year and a half, all he ate was dry cereal and he became extremely malnourished. And even to this day in 2024, Sonny's parents still stick by Sonny's side and call him every single day because they know that this crime was not premeditated. It was not a result of like an argument. It was not out of fit of anger. It wasn't evil or with evil intentions. It simply just was a very horrifying psychological snap. Also, while in juvie, Sony had unfortunately attempted at taking his life multiple times by slamming his head against walls and biting himself so hard that he broke one of his teeth. By a psychologist, he was also diagnosed with Asperger's as well as other disorders associated to schizophrenia. Now, during the actual trial, Sonny's defense team actually tried to get the entire interrogation thrown out. They said that since Sonny was not of sound mind at the time of the interrogation and on top of that, he was also a minor and no parent was to be seen, that should legally be enough to just throw the entire interrogation out. But the court came back and said that, that in the state of Georgia, when interrogators are interrogating minors, there are some like legal loopholes that you can go through where technically in the state of Georgia, you don't need a parent to accompany a minor when being interrogated by police. The interrogation would be showed in full at trial. Sonny's parents, however, said that they believe Sonny was mistreated since the very beginning. Sonny didn't even have a public defender for the first four weeks. And his parents also weren't allowed any contact with him and weren't allowed to talk to him for another four weeks. And there was actually going to be a scheduled trial, but in July of 2019, Sony would plead guilty to the murder of Ashley Kim by reasons of mental illness, as well as pleading guilty to aggravated assault and two counts of a possession of a firearm. And as a result, he was then sentenced to life in prison plus 25 years, plus eligibility for parole in 30 years. And if he is eligible for that parole in 30 years, he will be released in the year 2049 at the age of 49 years old, which to me is still pretty young. And due to him pleading guilty by reason of mental illness, he is currently kept in a half prison, half psychiatric facility where he is to 
to this day receiving treatment. As of 2024, Sony is currently 23 years old. He is currently still in prison and has about 26 years left to go until he's eligible for parole. Parents James and Nicole still keep in contact with him and call him and visit him nearly every day. Sony absolutely praises and loves his parents. He absolutely loves that even to this day that still stand by his side even after the irreversible thing he had done. He says that while being in juvie and jail, a lot of his cellmates have families who have completely cut them off and they no longer have a family. And so Sonny is extremely grateful that he still has his. And he says that he will continue to work hard every single day in prison to prove his parents that. Sony actually did an interview quite recently. And in this interview, he was discussing the day of the murder. And he explains that day when he walked into his bedroom before he went to grab the gun, he felt like he wasn't walking into his bedroom, but as if he was walking into a parallel universe. And then as soon as he walked into his bedroom, from that point on, he was no longer in control of his body. His body just moved on autopilot. And he says that he does understand it sounds ridiculous to go through a parallel shift and a third person view, but that is the closest he can explain to it. It just kind of felt as if his mind turned off and his body was now in control. And even if he wanted to think, it was like he was unable to. He says that in his first four to six months in juvie, he did not speak to anyone. He was just in a constant fog. And he says that this is still a mental illness that he struggles with to this day and even says, quote, I still really don't know what to think. There's times where I've broken down about it, but my brain won't let me process it. Like every time I try to think about it, I still haven't fully processed what's happened. I know empirically what happened, but to this day, I still don't understand why it happened. The interviewer then asked Sonny, does he believe that if one day he's released, something like this could happen again? And without hesitation, Sonny immediately says, quote, yes, absolutely. He goes on to say that he truly doesn't want to be released and he has consoled in the fact that he will die in prison. And he says that something like this is terrifying. He says that honestly, he doesn't even trust himself around his loved ones anymore, knowing that something like this can happen. And at the end of this interview, he takes time to talk specifically to the audience and whoever is reading or listening to it. And he says, quote, if you know someone who is experiencing symptoms of disassociation, if they're too withdrawn from their environment and their surroundings, it's important that they be associated with something in the world. It's important to not let people get too far gone. And yeah, that is the end of today's case. If you guys found this case interesting, make sure to give it a thumbs up and subscribe if you are on YouTube. If you want to follow me on any of my socials, like my Instagram, Pinterest, or TikTok, all of that will be linked down below. And I would also love to hear your guys' thoughts and opinions about the case. I think this was a very, very interesting one because usually our murderers have some sort of motive. But for this case, I don't think there really was a motive. It was truly just a psychological snap. I would really love to hear your guys' thoughts about the case. Do you think Sony should be released in 30 years? Do you believe he deserves a second chance at life or do you think that he might do it again? And I would love to hear all of those thoughts and opinions in the comments below. And yeah, that is all for me 
me. I hope you guys have a wonderful rest of your day. Make sure to be safe out there. Go outside, get some fresh air today, even if it's raining near you because it is definitely raining near me. But that's okay. I'm gonna open up a window, get some fresh air going. And yeah, that is all for me. Once again, I hope you guys found today's video interesting. And as always, I love you, I love you, I love you. And I will see you guys next week. Bye.